Man, today is the, uh, the last message in this book we've been going through, 1 Thessalonians. Uh, the, the, the week you've been waiting for. When is this going to end? <laughs> this is the last uh, message in this book that we've been going through the past, I guess, 12, 13, 14 weeks. And uh, man, last Sunday kind of uh, began uh, the end. And uh, man, we saw, we saw some end game things. Um, how Paul uh, starts his letters is really significant. Um, but how he finishes his letters are really, really significant. You know, uh, nothing, nothing um, is, is an accident. Um, his words are from the Holy Spirit and they're very carefully, they're well thought out. And um, everything that we see in a letter from Paul is, is so well crafted. And uh, everything, even the stuff in the middle is, is extremely significant. But man, um, for, in terms of where we are now, we're in the end. Uh, we're in the end game. And... Uh, 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 there's an urgency. Um, there's an urgency that we've seen from Paul um, and in light of Jesus's return, because we saw several weeks ago, he started talking about these things about Jesus's return, about when and, and how, and kind of addressing those things, but also just explaining the practical implications of Jesus's return. Paul has been addressing issues in the church. He's been calling the church to put faith into action. Um, but here we are today. Today, the, the last message and what he ends with um, is extremely significant uh, for this church, uh, for this particular church, the Thessalonian church, and it's significant for us. And we should have ears to hear what Paul wants to tell uh, this church and, um, and what ultimately he's telling us. Man, you know, one of the, uh, one of the things that I, I just really enjoy about the art of movies, you're like, oh, here we go again, Brian. <laughs> Start talking about movies. I know, I'm such a movie nerd. <laughs> I never really was like that, actually, for a long time. Uh, not actually until um, I became a Christian did I become so into movies. Uh, and the reason being is because there's so many gospel themes um, in the movies that we see. The producers and directors, they have no idea that what they're doing is putting gospel themes in. But man, they're doing it because it's in their heart. The gospel is in our heart in the sense that God has created us. He's created us in his image. And the things that we seek and desire are ultimately in God, right? But we're seeking them by in different means. So whenever, you know, these people, they write and they direct and produce, um, they're just infusing all of these things that are in their heart. Um, man, they just don't know that, like, God is like the center, is what they're really pursuing. And that's really why. I mean, I love finding gospel themes in movies. I really enjoy it. And, you know, um, one of those things in, in movies that I really, I really enjoy is just character arcs. Character arcs. And the character arcs is basically you're seeing a character uh, evolve and change from beginning to end of a movie, from beginning to end of a movie. And you know, the coolest thing uh, that I think about the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, <laughs> not only have I become a, a movie nerd, I'm a Marvel nerd now, which is crazy. Uh, I never thought I would be like a Marvel uh, nerd. But uh, the cool thing about the MCU is because of its storytelling over many movies. 
over many movies, and they're able to, to build uh, character arcs over a long period of time. So it's been 10 years, if you're into the whole MCU thing. It's been 10 years since 2008, the first Iron Man. Uh, it's been 10 years, 23 movies that are interconnected, right? And ultimately creating like a 50-plus hour movie. <laughs> Some of you are like, no, no, that's not for me. That's crazy. A 50-hour-plus movie. My wife's like, no. No, I can't even get her to sit in the theater for like what, an hour and a half. But basically, it's essentially a 50-hour-plus movie that it is. And we've been able to see some of these characters in the MCU evolve from beginning to end and change from beginning to end. And whether we notice it or not, it actually really resonates with us. You know, I was really sad, uh, spoiler alert, that Tony Stark died. You know, I was I was really sad. Come on, it's been months now. If you haven't seen it, then I was sad. We saw Tony change and evolve from beginning to end over those ten years, over the eight plus movies that he was in. We saw this amazing character arc, and it really resonates with us because we ourselves we're in a character arc. We're in a character arc. We're growing, we're changing, we're, we're, we're evolving. Our lives in this, in, in this world we live in are not an accident. It is not an accident. Sometimes you just need to be reminded of that, right? Do you not? Because sometimes, man, you just think, like, what is going on in our lives? Like, like is this all just, like, really, really, like, like, is this an accident? Like, when things just aren't going well? But guys, we need to be reminded that this is not an accident. Our lives aren't pointless. We are in a character arc. God is writing a story. He's writing a story of redemption in our lives. He's writing a story of redemption in our lives. He has created us for himself. But sin has severed us from him. Sin has severed us from him, and he aims to redeem us and bring us back. And bring us back. So when we believe that Jesus died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins and he was buried and he was resurrected on the third day, he begins bringing us through a character arc in his story. A character arc in his story in which he sanctifies us and he prepares us for eternity with him. He prepares us for eternity with him. And that's, that's basically what we're going to talk about today in this final scripture. Paul is reminding them about the sanctification that they are going through right now. And we're going to get a little bit into uh, just uh, that doctrine of sanctification. So let's get into the text. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 23 through 28. The scripture says this, it says, Now, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Brothers, pray for us. Greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. I put you under oath before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. So that's how Paul ends this letter. 
That's how Paul ends this letter. These are end game things. As the Thessalonians were a church uh, that were, they were strong in faith, they were strong in hope, they were strong in love. We learned that in the very first message, the very first text uh, of this series. They were strong in these things, and yet, yet they were persecuted, they were experiencing pain, they were suffering, they were grieving that we learned uh, in this letter, uh, they were experiencing temptations. And as a result, uh, they fell into sin. This sounds just like us, right? Does it not? This sounds just like us. So naturally, naturally, it was hard for them to make sense of this. It was hard for them to make sense of this, to, to persevere, to experience this suffering, this grieving and persecution and temptation and sin, and yet at the same time to see the road forward. To see the road forward, it, it, it was hard for them to do that. It's hard for us to do that. When all these things are going on in our lives and just seeing the road forward. So Paul, what's, what he's doing here is he's, he's reminding them of their address. He's reminding them of their address. We have to know our address. We've got to know where we live. And I'm not talking about like your house address. I'm not talking about like living here in Doylestown or something. I'm talking about this, this, this place that we're in with God. It's not geography. It's just this heart place that we live uh, with God in. If we know where we live, we will know where all of this is going. If we know where we live, we will know where all of this suffering, this pain, this persecution, this confusion, this, all this temptation stuff... We'll know where we're going, where all of that is going, if we know where we live. And we see it here where I want to put some focus on is verses 23 and 24. And just this word, sanctify. That's it. Sanctify. That is what it's all about here, what Paul is telling them. And this idea behind the word, sanctify, is to, to, to set apart, to be set apart. To make something distinct, to, 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 to uh, breaking old associations and creating new associations. Going from old associations to new associations. You know, for example, uh, address is address, right? Address is address. I mean, I think address is address. I mean, ladies might think otherwise. <laughs> like, uh, you know, dresses, they, they don't matter. But even what we wear, like, but a dress is a dress, and yet a wedding dress is sanctified. A wedding dress is sanctified. It's set apart for something special, a purpose, right? Or you think about like a wedding ring, right? A ring is a ring, right? A ring is a ring, but a wedding ring is sanctified. It's set apart. For something special. It has special meaning. It has special purpose. So a wedding ring isn't just a ring. It's special. It has purpose. God wants us to be set apart to him. He wants us to be set apart to him and he wants to sanctify us. And this whole, this sanctification, uh, it, it has like three components. Okay, that first component that we have to understand is what's called a positional sanctification. Positional sanctification happens in the past. 
And that, that the moment that you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and that you believe in your heart that he was resurrected from the dead, in that moment, you're set apart. In that moment, you are sanctified. You are set apart. You get a new address. You get a new address. God forgives your sin. He adopts you as his child. He gives you a new nature. He clothes you with Christ. By faith, you're not literally perfect. You're not literally sinless. We're not there yet. You're not literally perfect or literally sinless, but we are positionally perfect. We are positionally sinless. Because let me explain it. When God sees you, through faith, when God sees you, he sees Jesus. When God sees you, you are positionally sinless because when he sees you, he doesn't see your sin anymore. He sees Jesus' sinlessness. He doesn't see our record anymore. He sees Jesus' record attributed to us. Man, so we are positionally sanctified. We have this new address, this new place. It's amazing if you think about it. We're breaking away from old associations with the world to new associations with God. And this new address means we now enter into this process, which is the next stage of sanctification. And that next stage of sanctification is progressive sanctification, or present, in the present, right now, progressive sanctification. You remember earlier in this, in this study, earlier in the book, Paul, had, he was using progressive language, right? Do you remember he was saying, like, we need to grow, we need to trend, we need to be living more and more to please God. You remember that? Progressive language, living more and more to please God. It's not finished yet. We need to be doing this more and more to please God. That's progressive language. So this, is, this, this progressive sanctification, this is the sanctification that Paul is speaking of here in this text. These Thessalonian Christians, are, they're already positionally sanctified. Remember, when they, when they came to Christ, they believed in the gospel. In that instance, they were positionally sanctified. But here now, he's talking about to them this progressive sanctification. God doesn't set you apart to just sit and bathe in salvation. He doesn't set you apart to just, just to sit there and do nothing with your salvation. He saves you to go and to live out your salvation, to work out your salvation, and allow it to have its implications in our lives. And in this case, sanctification in our lives. Through our living out our faith, God chips away at our sin. He chips away at our sin, making us look more and more like Christ. That's going to be your life. Since the moment that you believed, that's your life. You are in this sanctification process where God is going to chip away at your sin and he's going to make you look more and more like Christ until the day you die. That's the game. That's what's going on right now in our lives. And man, when we've got all this stuff going on in our lives, whether it's the sin or persecution, pain, suffering, and I just can't see a way forward, Paul's like, this is where you live now. This is your address. 
You are positionally sanctified. Now you are in this sanctification process. And then there's future sanctification. Last one. Then there's future sanctification where God is preparing us for a future with him. There's going to be a glorification in which we will become literally perfect. We will become literally sinless. Not here in this life. Whenever he deems it ready for for us to die and be resurrected with him, when we're with him finally, we will be literally perfectly, completely sanctified. We will be literally sinless and perfect. I'll tell you what, I can't wait for that day. I cannot wait for it. I just can't imagine what it's going to be like to not have all these sinful thoughts in my head, to have these like competing uh, just heart motivations that I struggle with. (laughs) It's going to be amazing to just be completely washed, literally clean, and not have all of this stuff going on in my head. I can't wait for that day. So guys, this is our new address. This is where we live now. If I know where I live, I'll know where all of this is going. And it's a process. And he prays for them. And we know this through the word that he uses, completely. That word, completely. That's an all-encompassing word. We see in the scripture, first it means our entire personhood is set apart. He talks about mind, body, soul. Our spirit is being sanctified. Man, our mind is being sanctified. Our body is being sanctified. The body is important. God created it. It's important, and it's so important, we know it is, because he's going to resurrect it. That's how important our body is. You know, oftentimes we're like, yeah, yeah, no, I get it. Like, the spirit, that's important, and my mind, that's important. But God doesn't really care about our bodies, you know? No, he does care, because his plan is to resurrect it. We're going to have perfect resurrected bodies, Whenever God deems it time for this to happen, it's our entire personhood is set apart. God leaves no stone unturned in our lives and personhood. No stone unturned. But also, not just personhood, God's God's sanctification also has a timeline to it. It has a calendar to it. So we're not there yet. The work of God in you, for you, and through you has not yet been completed. It's not finished yet. It's not finished yet. Everybody has a point B. I have a point B. Every single one of you has a point B. Wherever we're at right now, this is point A. This is point A. And he's taking us to point B. And whenever he takes us to point B, whenever he delivers us from a sin or whatever it is, whenever he, 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 he takes something out of us, some kind of a sin or a temptation that creates a new point A and you just keep moving on and you get a new point B and he just keeps sanctifying you throughout your life. Everybody has a point B. Sanctification means that as we follow Jesus, we are a work in progress. You know, like we kind of, sometimes we say that flippantly. Oh yeah, I'm a work in progress. You know, it really is true. It really is true. We are a work in progress. I am not who I once was. 
And I'll share a little bit about my past in a little bit. I am not who I once was, but I'm not yet who I'm going to be. I'm not yet who I am going to be. There's still work for God to do. This should really, really impact how we relate with others. How we relate with our spouses, our friends, our coworkers, children, even how we relate with ourselves, how I relate with myself. We can, because of this truth, this sanctification truth, we can never look at your, you can never look at your life. You can never look at your life or you can never look at somebody else's life and write their whole story based on that moment where they're at. You can never look at yourself or you can never look at somebody else, right, and just write their whole life story based on that one moment because we're being sanctified. I'm not who I once was and I'm not yet who I'm going to be. So that puts us in a position to extend extensive grace, extensive grace to people in our relationships. Extensive grace, extensive, excessive mercy, excessive forgiveness, excessive forgiveness. We should be short on judgment and short on condemnation. Man, because we're all going through this sanctification process. We're all going through this. Sanctification gives us a reason to not be harder on ourselves than God is, too. Right? We shouldn't be harder on ourselves than God is. God knows, man. He's, he's, he's working with us. He's sanctifying us. And yet I think we can be pretty darn hard on ourselves when we sin. Man, when we sin, we just need to repent and just remember that I'm forgiven because of the cross of Christ and just move on. Get over yourself. Just move on. Put your bootstraps on and keep following Jesus. Don't be harder on yourself than God is. This sanctification process shows us that. In setting us apart to himself, we are separated from sin and its control over us. How has sanctification looked like in my life? How has it looked in my life? You know, since, since the beginning, and I probably, I probably shared you know, some of this with you guys, but since the beginning when I, when I first started to follow Jesus, God has progressively released me from the power of these things and delivered me from them. Whether it was alcohol abuse, alcohol abuse, recreational marijuana abuse, recreational marijuana abuse, pornography, sexual immorality, sexual immorality. I used to steal things. Yeah. I used to steal things. I was like a closet little klepto back in the day. Closet klepto. Man, I had an untamed tongue. Man, I could just really whiplash my tongue and just say some things. God has been sanctifying me through all of this. And now he's sanctifying me through new things. He's sanctifying me through new things now, through the struggles I have with my family, with my kids, and with uh, how that impacts our marriage. He's sanctifying me through all of these things now. But you see, it's not just about cutting things out. 
It's not just about cutting things out of our life that God's doing. It's not just about like cutting out impatience and gracelessness and anger and resentment. It's not just about cutting things out. It's also about putting things in to your heart. It's also about putting things in to your heart, like service, compassion, compassion, humility, generosity, love. Remember, we're breaking old associations and being sanctified, and we're coming into new associations with God. So we're not just breaking away from something old and then that's it. He's putting new things into our hearts. That's a part of this sanctification that we're going through. Paul was prayerfully encouraging the Thessalonians. So we should be encouraged by this sanctification process. Sin has not yet been fully eradicated. It's not fully gone yet, and it won't be in this life. And you are not yet all that grace is going to transform you to be. Yet. You're not there yet. We are in a spiritual battle, and it's fought in the heart. Remember earlier in the book, Paul encouraged them to put on that armor. Remember that? You remember what he said? He said to put on that breastplate of of, uh, faith and love. And then he said to the Thessalonians to put on that helmet of hope and salvation. We are in a battle where we need this armor. We're in a battle. We are in a war zone. And it's a war of doubt and faith. It's a war of doubt and faith and submission and rebellion. It's about anxiety and trust. It's a war of anxiety and trust. It's a war of wisdom and foolishness. It's a war of hope and despair. It's a war of security and insecurity in our lives. And we experience things that contradict them that I'm in this sanctification process. The things that we're experiencing, this temptation, the sin, this trials, the suffering, the pain, it's contradicting this sanctification process. Our lives can feel like they're going downhill because of all this stuff going on. It can feel like I'm not being sanctified. Like, God, why am I going through this? This doesn't feel like sanctification. This feels like just total being ripped apart. This doesn't feel like sanctification. The Thessalonians were experiencing persecution and grief and temptation and sin. But the epicenter of this war, this is it. The epicenter of this war is this question that we ask in our hearts all of the time. We ask this all the time in our hearts. If not with our lips, it's in our heart. Is God working? God, are you there? Is you, are you working? Are you there? Will you provide? Are you really sanctifying me? <clears throat> can I continue in faith and courage? Should I be afraid or can I trust you, God? When you hit hard times and weakness is exposed... Just like these Thessalonians were going through, be ready for the enemy to whisper this in your ear. Be ready for the enemy to whisper this in your ear. Where is your God now? Where is your God now? Satan has been asking that, he's been putting that in our ears since the beginning. Where is your God now? You won't always feel God's nearness. 
But this isn't a game of feelings. Sorry. This is not a game of feelings. You won't always feel like he's near. You won't, even, you won't always feel like you're being sanctified. You won't always feel like you're being sanctified, but this is not a game of feelings. This is a trust game. This is a trust game and trusting his revelation, trusting his word. You know what? Despite feeling all of this, I trust you, God, because you're saying this. I trust your word. It's a trust game. And you can rest assured that in Christ, he will never abandon you and he is sanctifying you. The scripture says, he who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. He will surely do it. This is the God of peace that we're talking about here. The God of peace. One of my favorite authors, Paul David Tripp, he says this, Peace is not found in the degree of our faithfulness to God. Rather, it is found in the utterly unshakable nature of his faithfulness to us. That's where peace is. It's his unshakable nature and his commitment to us. His faithfulness is not a demonstration, Tripp says, of how well you're doing. His faithfulness is not a demonstration of how well you're doing in life. Tripp says, no. It's a revelation of how completely holy, righteous, kind, and good he is. How good he is. He remains faithful even when on your most unfaithful day. Even on your most unfaithful day. That sanctifies us. That sanctifies us. But guys, we have got to play our role in sanctification. We have to play our role in sanctification. Only God saves. Only God and God alone saves. We play no role in salvation. No role in salvation. Only God sanctifies, the scripture says. Only God sanctifies. But we do play a part. We have a responsibility. We have a responsibility in our sanctification, and that's obedience. And everything that we see in this letter, we have to make those choices. We've got to make those choices for obedience in our lives. We have to undress ourselves of our self-centeredness and our self-reliance. We have to die to it, and we have to rise to Jesus. Rise to Jesus. In my personal process of sanctification, I had to make choices. God was working. I knew there was the power of the gospel working in me, but I had to make choices. I still had to make those choices. You know, in the MCU, Stark, Tony Stark underwent a sort of sanctification in his character arc. He underwent like a sanctification in his character arc. He, but he had a role to play in it. And what I'm talking about is he found something in this thing called the arc reactor, which was like this power source. Incredible power. Incredible power. 
and this arc reactor, and it would give way to this Iron Man suit and, and to power it, right? And it was going to be the thing. Like, it was this great defense system to help the world and save the world and this, this, and that. And Tony Stark, he was like this genius, right? What did he call himself? Genius, billionaire, playboy, philanthropist, right? He was a genius, playboy, billionaire, playboy, philanthropist. He was arrogant. He was self-centered. He was oversure of himself, oversure of himself. But he found something in the arc reactor which would give way to the Iron Man suit and power it. He had to make the choice to use it. And you saw the struggle in his character arc. There was a point where he stopped using it. He was like, I'm out. This is creating more harm and more damage than good. He had to stop using it. We saw that in his character arc, but he had to make the choice to use it and do what needed to be done in the world around him. He could have chosen not to use it, and he just would have stayed arrogant. He would have stayed oversure of himself. He would have stayed as that playboy. He would have stayed that way. His life as it was would have continued. But as a result, over time, from making those choices to use the power, it led to great victory, but it also led to pain and it led to suffering. But as a result, over time, he was humbled, you see, by the end of the movie, or the, at the end of the 50-hour, you know, 23 movies. He was humbled. He became gentle. He became accessible. He was a lot less playboy, if at all, and a lot more philanthropist. A lot less playboy and a lot more philanthropist. Guys, we're in a character arc. I mean, do you believe that? We're in a character arc, and we're called to grow and live to please God more and more. And all that he encouraged them to do in this letter, he never intended they to do those things in their own power. More Christians are defeated on account of self-reliance than they are on account of other people or on account of Satan. I think we blame Satan way too much. That's just my personal belief. Satan has no power over us because of Christ in us. No power. We blame Satan way too much in our lives. More Christians are defeated on account of self-reliance, relying on our own strength, relying on our own flesh. We're not relying on the power of God in the gospel. We're not relying on the power of God in the gospel. Paul has urged them to do certain things in this letter, but it is only in God's strength that they will be able to do them. Only God sanctifies. But we got to get moving. We got to get moving. We've got our role to play. And it begins with dying and rising to Jesus in everyday life. Dying and rising to Jesus in everyday life. Dying to our pride. Dying to our self-centeredness. Dying to our self-reliance. And rising to Jesus. Let's pray.